Hi, this is David Hirschfelder. I'm the keyboard player on Whispering Jack, and you're listening to the He's the Voice podcast. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And the winner is... And Mr. John Farnham. John Farnham. John Farnham. John Farnham. John Farnham. Sir John Farnham for Whispering Jack. But I most of all would like to thank my manager and very close friend, Glenn Wheatley. He put his money where my mouth is and I thank him very much for that. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you very much indeed. There's only one step left to overcome in your quest for success. everyone, welcome back to the He's the Voice podcast, the podcast that explores John Farnham's album, Whispering Jack. My name's Nigel, and I'm joined here today once again by my co-host, Adam Stolfo. G'day, Adam. How are you going? G'day, Nigel. How's it going, my friend? Yeah, doing very well. Good you? to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I'm, I'm really, really pleased that we're finally at these song-by-song song deep dives. I've been looking forward to this for a while. It's been a long time coming, but yeah, I'm glad that we're uh, starting on this track as well. So this is track one on the all-conquering Whispering Jack album, Nige. Pressure Down, I think it's definitely one of John's staple songs. We've heard this a lot over the years, to say the least. Oh, we sure have. Um, not only when it first came out on radio and it got a, a, a good round of it uh, being broadcast, but uh, certainly in his live shows, uh, it's been one of the tracks that has made an appearance in almost every live performance he's done from the dates of Whispering Jack to um, the final time that he performed. Yeah. i got to say, I think there's an argument for pressure down. I think it's, you know, like You're the Voice stands on its own, right? And, you know, uh, we've got yeah. a lot of great stuff to say about that song uh, in our next episode. But Pressure Down is definitely in the next group of most recognisable Farnham songs, I would say. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, not only from this album... It's one of the giants within his greatest hits collection as well. Yeah, and we will, like, you know, look a little bit at some of the lyrics as well, Nige, but the song certainly isn't defined by its lyrics. I mean, this is a song that no. is purely all about its melody, which is exceptionally 80s, exceptionally poppy, but that's what works for it. <laughs> like, you know, like people hear this and it makes them feel good. Uh, yes, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, in preparation for today... I was listening to Pressure Down yesterday, um, and actually I was listening to it at someone else's house, and um, they themselves just going, wow, it's been ages since I've heard this, and they were really getting into it. And um, it was interesting observing someone else's reaction to it who hasn't heard it for a long time. Yes. Um, and, yeah, you're exactly right. It really is a bit of a mover and a shaker. And we've discussed it in numerous situations but the one thing that is really important with the construction of any album is the track listing. And, and it was a great choice that Pressure Down was track one. 
Yeah. So, like, I think that the uh, one of the great strengths of the Whispering Jack album as a whole, Nige, is the, uh, the positioning of the 10 songs. Like, I think it's quite a masterclass in how to do it, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's when they re- redid it a little bit for the American one. Uh, yeah, I think they messed with it too much. Well, yeah, and speaking speaking of that American release, and we'll get into that a little bit later as well, to its credit, it did actually keep pressure down as the number one track. So yeah. and so I think it is the perfect track as our introduction to the album of Whispering Jack. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that they absolutely knocked it out of the park. Absolutely. Night Pressure Down was written by British musician Harry Bogdanovs. Now, there's quite an air of mystery about this guy. Have you got any more information for us? One of the things with Harry is that he's been very difficult to find any information online or anywhere else. So what I have been able to find out is this, is that Pressure Down was written by Harry Bogdanovs, who was a lifelong friend and co-producer of works by David Knopfler. And David Knopfler together with his older brother, Mark Knopfler, John Ilsley and Patrick Withers founded the rock band Dire Straits in 1977. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, he did release several albums as a performer along with David Knopfler. However, I haven't been able to um, Hmm. get hold of any of those. The mystery element comes from, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, during the Whispering Jack 25 years on tour, John himself made mention of the fact that he tried to get in touch with Harry, uh, Hmm. probably to include him or to invite him or like, you know, be part of the Whispering Jack 25 tour, considering the fact that he has two songs as part of this, you know, remarkable album. And um, he couldn't find him. That's in John's words. Yeah. So... You know, and I mean, I don't think it's any—it's too much of a surprise, Nige, to tell the listeners about the fact that, you know, we were able to speak to a lot of very, very talented writers as part of this podcast series for you all. But unfortunately, Harry's not going to be one of them. But we did get to speak to Chris Thompson, one of the writers of You're the Voice, who's actually worked with Harry. So why don't we listen to what Chris had to say? Well, working with Harry was always such a great experience because he's a consummate songwriter. You know, I'm all sorts of other things. But at that time, he was just a songwriter. And it was so nice. He would come around, he'd have something. We'd, we'd always finish with something at the end of the day. And with lyrics too. The two of us worked really well with lyrics together. And so with Harry, we always had a song at the end of the day. We also had the opportunity to talk to Eric McCusker, the writer of No One Comes Close. So let's listen to what he had to say about working with Harry. I went on a writing tour in, in 1988 um, to Los Angeles, Chicago and New York and London, and I wrote a song with Harry Bogdanovs, known as Harry Bog to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> went there And uh, wrote a song that was actually on the last Mondo rock album, which is called Why Fight It? And the song we wrote together was called Soul Reason, which yeah. we just wrote in about a, a two-hour session in... Uh, uh, um, our publisher's office in London. Pressure Down was the second single released off the Whispering Jack album in December of 1986. The B-side was the 10th track off of Whispering Jack, Let Me Out. It spent 14 weeks in the charts, and as we discussed previously, um, the Kent Music Charts at that time only recorded the top 20 hits of the week. So of those 14 weeks... The highest position it climbed to was number four, and it spent a total of two weeks at number four. Yeah, remarkable. Yeah, particularly yeah. on the back of uh, You're the Voice as well. Well, that's right, yes. Yeah. 
Um, just out of interest, between the 1st of December 1986 when it was released and the 13th of April 1987 when it fell outside of that top 20, the tracks that sat in the number one position at the time that Pressure Down was released, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Yeah. Funky Town by Pseudo Echo, yeah. which was a, another Wheatley organisation group. Uh-huh. Walk Like an Egyptian by The Bangles. Of course. You Keep Me Hanging On, Kim Wilde. I Want to Wake Up With You, Boris Gardner. Yep. George Michael and Aretha Franklin with I Knew You Were Waiting For Me. Mm-hmm. Paul Lukakis, Boom Boom, Let's Get Back To My Room. <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> Look, arguably all 80s classics and Pressure Down sits amongst them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Another point of interest is in Australia, the seven-inch single was released of Pressure Down and, as we said, the B-side was Let Me Out. In Japan, the seven-inch single was released and the B-side was actually the song Trouble. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the... uh, the uh, musician credits here on the uh, song Pressure Down for us, Nige, just quickly. We've obviously got John referring to himself here as Whispering Jack at this yep. stage uh, for vocals and also backing vocals as well, Nige, which is an interesting choice for this song because essentially, you know, you just got John supporting John, which you can't go wrong with. But um, but it is actually a feature, like, you know, of this track if you actually listen to it, like, you know, carefully as well about the fact that, like, you know, that whole echo effect is, like, yeah. you know, a big part of the song. They actually got some pre recorded vocals of john that they actually played during the live versions of this song as well so which goes in line with the fact that it's a big feature of it yeah david hirschfelder on keyboards brett garced on guitars and the fairlight and drum programs jack ross and dave obviously referring to john producer ross fraser and david hirschfelder well i remember the day of pressure down uh we listened to the demo and the demo had a lot of the qualities that ended up being in Whispering Jack sonically, but it just lacked a little bit of energy. And I think it gave us an opportunity to sort of up the ante on that and to make it a bit sort of juxtapose the um, pop nature of the song with a little bit of attitude, but not be too serious in it. You know, like, and, and I think the, the film clip was clever you know, having, you know, the idea about pressure being a more personal experience. And so um, I think making it more personal and saying, you know, almost John singing about himself, you know, I, taking the pressure off myself, I think it, in a way was, that's what an, was another interesting little secret feature of that song was an opportunity for John to say, I'm going to take the pressure off, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And um, yeah, that was, yeah, so many memories. Yeah, it was fun putting that together. Yeah, just the, you know, again, we we were in love with backward reverb on snares and, and so that was a feature of that song which we uh, we used. And, and I think what, that was one of the first ones we arranged. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry, I've got one more thing to say about Pressure Down. I've never said this to anyone before. I don't even think I, I never said it to John. But when we listened to the demo, I actually changed one of the chords by accident because I wasn't paying attention to what the chord structure of the song was. So if you listen to the demo, there's a different chord structure in the verse. At first I thought, oh, my God, I've really screwed up. I've, I've, <laughs> I've put the wrong chord in. But, it, of course, it sounds great the way it is. It's not wrong. I just did a different chord. Why I was mortified and why I'm having my sort of, you know, mea culpa moment is right now <laughs> is because I realise that I never told anyone that I'd actually 
mistranscribe the chord structure. But in fact, you could almost argue what I did was didn't matter. I mean, no one knows. But it's isn't that interesting how sometimes when you make a mistake, it actually turns out to be probably the right thing to do. No one yeah, would know weird. that. We couldn't tell. No, for sure. <laughs> it's not a wrong chord. It's not a, it, harmonically. It's correct, but mm. it's just not exactly replicating uh, what was I, on the demo. No, but I, I think it, in some ways the chord progression that I changed accidentally it, it has more of a forward motion to it. I mean, you know, songs are evolve and it's still the song. I mean, it's not a, yeah, yeah. I didn't rewrite the song. I just made yeah, a small yeah. change. The, the initial, bam, 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 that's the distorted guitars playing that riff. And uh, yep. initially there was just Hershey's keyboards there. And I thought, yeah, we're going to put some guitars on here. So we'll put some power chords on. And I do remember we, we worked a lot with delays to come up with a part for the verses which sounded great on their own, but I think they were a bit of a challenge when they mixed it because they tended to get in the way of the vocal a bit. The way that uh, Doug and John and Ross have ended up mixing it and producing it really worked. It was clever the way they ducked them in and out to leave room for the vocal. But, you know, it's the, the cardinal rule. Of if, you're, if you're playing something that's going to have the vocal there, make sure when you're coming up with a part, the vocal is there. Like you, hmm. you work around that and respect that at all times. And I don't think we did. We... We just worked to the track and uh, it sounded great on its own. But when the vocal came in, I thought, yeah, I can see how we're a bit too busy. So, Brett, but, uh, during yeah. the, um, I think you refer to it as the bridge of the song. Uh, it's after the second verse, uh, you know, it's better. Someone it's turned of, the pressure up. That's yeah. the one. I've just got a little bit of a, um, an audio cue here for you, actually. And this is from two separate versions of that song, right? There's the album version and then there's the American mix, which I don't know how long it's been since you've heard that one or if you, you know, knew the, it. The funny thing is, when I went to America and worked with the Nelson band, Dave Thoner, who actually mixed and recorded the After the Rain album, which is the album we did, you know, I spent like months and months in the studio with him. He's the guy. So what a, what a coincidence. Yeah. I can believe it. Yeah. Now, but it's the bridge I just wanted to touch upon just quickly here as well, because this has always fascinated me. And, and I'll play it for you. So the album version's first, and then I do a little bit of a break, and it goes into the American one, and then I'll ask you the question, okay? All right. Someone I know exactly what you're saying, that guitar part that's there, right? Thona said to me, there's no guitars on this album. And I said, well, there are, but I had to fit in between 87 keyboard parts, you know. And no offence to Hershey because he's a bloody genius, but it was so full of stuff that um, I had to try and figure out, and that's what I came up with was follow the bass but double it with a distorted guitar. Look, it was always meant to be a textural thing, and I, I totally respected that and understood it that's kind of what we were going for i wasn't really trying to turn it into a guitar heavy album love the song love the film clip um no definitely one of my favorite songs it gets everyone moving and you know yes. what you know what I, I, that we can validate that as well nige because of the fact that uh, it's funny that you bring up the last time because it actually cuts the footage of gaynor in the crowd during pressure down and she is bopping <laughs> away and loving it yeah, well i do <laughs> I do. I love it. 
I love anything with the bass, any any drums. I mean, God, that rhythm section's always been amazing. Any the guitars, anything where Chet was out the front, they're they're the songs that are, that resonate with me and the ones I love. Absolutely, no, take the pressure down. Yeah, just ease off, back off. You know, hmm. chill. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing we should discuss in regards to Pressure Down Nige is the Rob Wellington directed music video. Look, I think I've been on record, I've told you before that like, you know, like I'm very, very aware of the era in which this was made. It's not one of my favorite John clips, I've got to say, but I can understand it. I understand that, you know, like if you look at some of the, you know, we were talking about Harry before, but you have a look at some of the Dire Straits music videos of the time and stuff as well. What I don't like about it, and I'll get this out of the way early so we can we can talk about its good parts as well. Um, what I don't like about it, Nige, is a little bit too literal for my liking, this, this music video. Like, <laughs> I don't like the way that like we're talking about taking the pressure down you see a pressure gauge i don't like in this city full of danger i don't like the way we see buildings with people uh, strangling themselves inside these buildings for example these are the parts that i just find them a real cheese fest like you know um just yeah that's that's not my favorite stuff about the music video knowledge i don't know what what do you think of the whole thing um, I've never thought a great deal about it. And, and, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. To be, to be honest, um, any time that I've seen the video, it's actually still more about the music than it is anything I'm watching. Again, I enjoyed the conversation with Glenn A. Baker to talk a little bit about music videos and the role they played at the time because I thought yeah. it was very relevant. But, you know, as I've aged and grown in appreciation for what this song is, Perhaps the same can be said for the people that were working on it. And and yeah. these guys were ballpark figure. Let's take John's age. He was 36, 37 when he was working on this. But you just, know, just why not? Strange that? things like the fighting robots and the, the snakes yeah, and yeah. ladders and Monopoly and stuff like I that know, as well. I know. Like, you know. They didn't have the budget that Michael no, Jackson had for Thriller. So, you <laughs> know, not. so yeah. when you take those things into account as well, think of it in context of where it was and what they had available to them at the time. I think it's a fair thing for what they were dealing with and where they were at the time. It's not something I've ever really thought about or paid attention to. Something I, I found particularly interesting, though, Nige, was the way that they decided to use the extended version of the song in the music video yeah. rather than the yeah. other version. I, and I have to say, that's one of the things I love about it. For somebody that was interested in the music, it just provided another element. And it was, wow, a completely different version of that song because it uses the arrangements of the extended version. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. It's one of the things I really, really liked about the film clip. It gave us something more to add to the Whispering Jack album. Yeah, well said. Firstly, um, the video. Mm -hmm. So the pressure down one, again, it was we were doing some things that no one had done before and it was <laughs> pretty raw, you know, you know, if you look at it now, it's pretty raw. Yeah. But there was a lot going on behind the scenes there and we were doing things that 
and the the uh, director, who I know very well, he directed um, You're the Voice and he directed this song. Um, and we were, again, trying to break the barrier on a few things, you know, and that song has got that in it. It's a song that can be used by people for other things. The pressure down, you know, that line It's in, in itself, it does a lot. The change that John made for the live shows was really interesting because it's different. I, you, you probably know that, where, he, where it puts it, takes everything out and it's just uh, the vocals and the drums. Mm. Um, that's not on the song. That's not on the uh, album or anything. Um, but that was John's idea to, to change all that. And it, and that stayed that way all the till now. If he did a show now and he's doing pressure down, he, that's the one he'd do. Yeah. Are you, are you talking about the part, Ross, where he does like that? And of course, we can't speak about the music video, Nige, without bringing up a particular uh, actor of note, and that is Frank Thring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I didn't know a lot about Frank Thring, and in fact, uh, I thought Pressure Down was the main connection to him. But in researching him, he's got a slew of things in his career. He's been in several movies. The main movie of, that I've seen is Mad Max. Well, I was going to say, I didn't want to misquote by saying I think he was in Breaker Morant, which I do think he was in. But certainly a younger generation being my generation and anyone younger again would make a connection with Frank through his uh, performance in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, which featured the now late Tina Turner and, yes. of course, Australia's Angry Anderson as oh well. Oh, my God. Like, you know, star-studded. That's it. <laughs> Oh, and, and by the way, um, yeah. also this other fella that we've heard of once or twice called Mel Gibson. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. that guy. He did, he did something once. That's right, that, yes. Yeah, he did. He was also in movies, yeah. <laughs> but Anyway. So, being as this is the first track, Nige, um, the very, very first thing that you hear on the album version, and let's specify that, is the infamous john whisper at the beginning of this song very very quiet mixed low for a reason you know quite a bit of intrigue there and uh you know we will actually the first thing that we'll do is we'll actually play it to you as elevated as we can so that's the whisper okay so ultimately for those who still can't really understand because it is a very hard thing to pump up in the audio as well nice there's a lot of background noise but there's an interesting backstory behind this whisperer, right? So this is the whole Whispering Jack phantom thing sort of coming into play here. And we have actually spoken to Ross Fraser about this as well. Can you recount the story of there's no restriction on the subject or language, which is the whisper heard at the start of the album? Yeah, that you can't hear unless you turn it up really loud. Yep. Oh, yeah. We've it's done that a few times. It's four seconds, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Roger McLaughlin, who played bass on a, a few of our tracks on Whispering Jack, yep. um, he was a very funny guy, and we had a lot, a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, there was a phone booth in the studio, like a real phone booth. Um, and Roger decided he's going to get up and phone a uh, nice lady. Were <laughs> <laughs> in those days, you, you can you ring up and talk to someone who you've never heard of and talk sexy. <laughs> oh yeah very weird um, I think he saw a picture of you know, someone in the 
paper or in a magazine. And he thought, hmm, this, this could be fun. I'll ring, I'll ring this line up. And he gets this woman who's trying to be sexy, you know, and she is the one who said there's no restriction on subject or language. So he says, so I can say anything. <laughs> she said there's no restriction. So that's where it comes from. An interesting point, and that is that it is on the album version. It's not on a single version, and it's not on... If you go to any of the greatest hits or the anthology one, you can't find it attached to pressure down on those. No. However, there was a sampler... I have the German version. There is also a US version of the, that one. The, yeah. So you've got that one. I've not heard that one, so I don't know if it's got US mixes on it. It does. So the US versions, and it does not have the whisper. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. So I've got the German version, which is the Australian recordings of them, and therefore it does have that whisper at the beginning of Pressure Down. Yeah. The Maraca sounds... That was an interesting thing because that was like, initially that was just like eighth notes. And then in the studio, Doug Brady put on this, uh, not an echo, but a sort of a, a pre-delayed, a gated reverb, which gave it the offbeats. So all those offbeats are just like an electronic uh, gated AMS, uh, very short reverb with a bit of pre-delay that was timed to give it a slight swing feel. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting how it has an organic maraca quality, but it's actually quite an artifice of pure electronica. Oh, totally. Quite wow. interesting. And then, of course, we go into John's like, oh, yeah. And he, he's embellished it somewhat in some of the tours as well. There's two sound elements to this song in the composition, Nigel, just wanted to bring your attention to, which is yeah. firstly is these, what I'm, I don't know how you describe it, but it, this song has very unique synth swooshes. And it's obviously a big part of the song because it's used in the chorus between the, the you know, um, it's like, take the pressure down because I can feel it. It's rising like a storm. Swoosh, right? And mm -hmm. it's a big part of the song because... In subsequent tours, uh, John actually emphasized the swoosh with the lighting team as well. So it's like this light started from one side of the, of the stage and they swooshed across to the other side in, in time with that sound. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all part of that live presentation and, and just the, that whole atmosphere of seeing a live performance and using the lights to emphasize and to complement what's happening yeah. performance wise and how that plays out on stage and how we the audience actually yeah. enjoy that and but respond. it was so emphasized Nigel, that even in the man of the hour tour that the tv directors like you know they cut to a wide shot of the stage when these synth swooshes happen yeah you know? so so it's actually a part of the song which they're acknowledging and even the tv directors are in on it so yes. that's why i'm bringing it up because like it's not something that that really would have been discussed elsewhere and the other little thing nige of course is uh the good old well i don't know if it is a cowbell in fact ross fraser told us that it wasn't it's not a cowbell oh no what is it oh i don't know what it is i can't remember analog it wasn't an analog cowbell it was probably it would have been digital mm -hmm. um probably came from one of hershey's racks you know 
but uh, just this sound in the uh, the chorus uh, at the end of the song, in which it sounds a lot like a, a sampling of a cowbell, which is not something you expect to hear in a song like Pressure Down. Well, and the fact that I don't discount anything that Ross um, told us. Absolutely. They may not have sought out the sampling of a cowbell to include in Whispering Jack, but maybe it was one of the many samples that already existed in the Fairlight. And in talking to Peter Vogel, as we did in our last episode, there's every possibility that they may have actually sampled that. So it could have been a pre-existing sample that was within the Fairlight. Yeah. A couple of years later, they use a very similar sound in Two Strong Hearts as well. So like, uh, we're not saying that someone was there with a cowbell. We're simply saying that if you listen to the way it sounds, it could be interpreted as like an electronic version of that. That's all. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things you want to do is you want to talk about the lyrics. So I'll throw to you first. Well, when we were, you know, coming up with ideas for, you know, well, how we look at the lyrics for like each of the songs as part of the album and, you know, it's a bit of an interesting spin. And an interesting thing that I thought might work is that if we both sort of like picked out a, you know, like one part of the lyrics ourselves and we sort of yeah. like brought that to the forefront and why that sort of, you know, struck a chord with us directly. Uh, because, you know, Pressure Down isn't exactly what you would refer to as a rich song lyrically, uh, you know, without being able to speak to Harry about it. I sort of read it, Nige, as the fact of, like, the stress and strain of everyday life. Yep. The part of the song which I actually chose, Nige, is actually the final verse of the song, right? Which says simply, Oh, the winner tells his story, the loser hides in shame, the winner steals the glory, while the loser takes the pain. Yep. Now, the reason I brought that up is because I just find it exceptionally interesting the way that the song suddenly becomes about winners and losers. And I remember having a previous conversation with you, Nige, about the fact that you actually brought in that that might not necessarily be something that a writer would write about today. And what I was talking about when I was referring to that, the song clearly talks about winners and losers. I'm just not convinced if the song was written today that it would have such a focus on the distinction between achievement and failure. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to say was, for the longest time... I've just thought Pressure Down was quite a nonsensical song. But in sitting down and reading it in preparation for doing this podcast, it really struck me that there's a lot to this song that I had never even given this song credit for. And this song in its essence really reflects to me the importance of looking after mental health and well-being. And that's not something that I picked up on when I was 17 and 18 no years way. of age. No chance. You know, there is no way that I've ever looked at this song in that context. That really stood out to me in yeah. looking at these lyrics. Now that it's what a deep dive is all about as well. Like, you, you will probably yeah. find new things that you'd never sort of, like, you know, discovered before. The importance of taking the pressure down is elevated in the way that it's sung, about the way that when you get round to the link of choruses at the end of the song, he takes the song an octave higher and starts to sing it like... No, no, no. It's really important that we take the pressure down, you know, like as in I'm screaming it at you. Yeah, and yeah. it's not until and the, the, the song starts to fade at the end that he brings it back down again. Well, the, the other thing that sits with me with this song, in 1989, an author, Clark Forbes, wrote the first Whispering Jack biography. And within that book, 
they don't shy away from describing the challenges that John himself had, not only pre-Whispering Jack, but the post-production component where he did sink into a depression and the vulnerability of the man, it's really tangible in reading that book. Despite the success that he was having, he was the biggest name in Australia at that time. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't get a bigger commodity than John Farnham in the late 80s. But the fact that this book did not shy away and it actually just really brought to the forefront the vulnerabilities and the insecurities, it made a huge impression on me to have that out there. And here we are today talking about this. We've had the release of the Finding the Voice documentary, which revisits that. It certainly puts that back out into the public space. So to me, Pressure Down actually really touches on a vulnerability and what was at stake for John. Look at what was hinging on Whispering Jack. And we talked in our previous episode about some of those struggles that as far as recording company and stuff, no one would support John. They didn't want to be playing it. They were calling Glenn out for, we know this is Johnny and we're not going to play it on the radio. He had everything working against him. So there were high stakes for this album. And as a result, a lot of pressure. So the fact that the first song addresses high pressure and the need to take it down and consequently then can be seen today to be supporting ideas of looking after your own mental health and well-being. I can never stand there and say that this song is just frivolous because it's not. I think that you bring up some really interesting points, and I think that, like you say, uh, with the songs in John's career that were recorded around this one as well, like songs like Help, Playing to Win, even Let Me Out from Whispering yeah. Jack as well, right? But I, but I think that there's a little bit more to pressure down than it's given credit for. And I think that you're, you're, you've tapped into something really interesting there. And yeah. to me, it does tap into that stuff when I listen to it extraordinarily because it is still an upbeat, real goer. You know, it's a great song and, and even better in the live space. I think. Oh, definitely, mate. Definitely. Gosh. Yeah. Nigel, we have touched upon it a few times, but the, the live versions of this song as well. Um, mm. Look, uh, it's been performed that much over the years. It's obviously been a stayer in John sets and with good reason. It's always been one that I've looked forward to. In the yep. early days, it was used a lot as an opener in the Whispering Jack era as well. And even in the Age of Reason era, as we understand as well, like yeah. it was still used as the opener. As time went on, it was moved down the set and started to be used as the, the run home song, you know, like very late you know, along with songs like Playing to Win and You're the Voice as like, you know, the the big ones to end the show, essentially. Yeah. But um, look, was there any particular live versions that you wanted to bring up of note that uh, stick with you? The performance that really leaves an impression on me is part of the Crown Casino opening in 1997. It's where John performed with Ray Charles yeah. um, and Kylie Minogue. Minogue. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not so crash hot on the trumpet solo <laughs> yeah. because I because I feel like it actually overpowers the performance of the song. Um, that's what I get out of that. But I love the rearrangement of Pressure Down in that performance. Okay. Take a push 
absolutely love because I was there for the live recording of that and that is the one that's part of the last time recording yeah and as you said they left it to the trailing ends of the show as a build-up to you're the voice and like this was an absolute adrenaline pumped electrifying exhilarating performance and the crowd was so charged it was just extraordinary and they give it everything. Everyone on stage gives it everything they've got to give. And it's just phenomenal. I think it is simply the best performance that I've ever been to of that song. memory i think that chong brought in some interesting keyboard elements into that particular live version which yeah. gave the song a bit of a freshness like you know it wasn't a complete rearrangement like at the crown casino or anything but it did have a fresh sound that night i can remember yeah pressure down is incredibly synthesizer sounding and and i had like when i when i did the earlier tours i i did some kind of impression but not incredibly accurate i went and listened to everything and what david hirschfelder did he even played a lot of fake guitar in and it's it's like whitney houston's how will i know so i i, I made the sounds even closer to what he did and and that was the effort i, I and all the the claps and and like like all those sounds you you know i'd recreate them and and the bass sound and all that um even though Craig Newman or Joe Craig Newman would play that live, but I doubled it with that sound because the sound of the bass is the song, you, you know. So I recreated it, and you, you know, the bass players hate me. God, you know, we play bass. Why do I put that in? I say, look, it's for the sound, you, you know. Right. And the bass sound is really important. I don't know how David Herschel did it, but I did it my own way to try to copy his. And it's a famous bass sound from the Yamaha DX7 and I recreated it and it's kind of woody and bouncy and you know painstakingly make the sound and you got to listen to see how it reacts and go oh that part is not so good and then you tweak it and so on it takes ages and also because there's so many parts in those songs you know even if you wanted to play them live you'd have to have 30 keyboard players it's impossible and a lot of the parts are very very um mechanical like like that you can't possibly play it by human so you recreate them in the computer we can't talk about pressure down without touching upon uh, david hirschfeld's keyboard solo as well i mean you know it's it's extraordinary piece of work when we spoke to david i can't believe we didn't get the opportunity to speak to him about the keytar which then, yeah. like, you know, during his era with the band, um, that was such a, a staple of uh, Pressure Down, was that, that solo. Because... That is a very, very unique sound. I can remember people thinking that it was created by a saxophone. And I'm like, no, this is very much a keyboard. 
Yeah, yeah. And I remember my very first John Farnham concert was Chain Reaction in 1990. Me too. And I just remember that very first time, just the whole overwhelming thing of actually being at a live performance. And it was during Pressure Down that David came out with the guitar that had that mouth apparatus. And I have memories of actually seeing him up on stage with that the first time. It was fantastic. Yeah. Pressure Down has essentially been a massive part of John's live set since he recorded it in 1986, except for a tiny little block, Nige, uh, the late 90s for the main event tour and then the 50th birthday concert series of shows. So I got to say, the main event makes a lot of sense. You know, John's one of the three main acts. Um, Yeah, I I didn't miss it. Yes, but the 50th birthday concert, uh, I missed it. I got to say, I got to be honest, I missed it. I think by that time, um, we, the regular attendees of these concerts, um, certainly knew Pressure Down as one of those things that really helped uh, get the crowd up and going in the big finale. So it was missed there. The following year, it made a, a massive comeback in the Man of the Hour tour. And then it was essentially performed for the next 20 years, including Nige, John's last performance to date, which was the Fire Fight Australia concert in 2020. Yeah. yeah. Well, that pretty much leaves one key thing left to discuss with this song, Nige, and that is one of its other very, very special and rare performances, which was part of that, that album that John released alongside the Whispering Jack 25 Years On Tour, which was the Acoustic Chapel Sessions album in 2011, which is essentially 11 of his songs in acoustic form. Some of them changed more than others. Uh, Pressure Down was actually rearranged quite significantly. Yeah, it's a great album. I really like it. Um, And I really like this version of Pressure Down. It's great. Um, You know, the idea that we were buying an album of songs that we already had in our repertoire. Yeah, it's like a greatest hits, essentially, but just reimagined. Yeah, so I thoroughly enjoy that album. And uh, yeah, Pressure Down, it it is. It's a a bit of a standout. It's so different, again, from... The, uh, the original recordings of it. Yeah, a great addition. Set the wheels in motion And watch them turn it around I wanna sail across the ocean I've grown weary of this town Take the So just to bring this uh, in-depth look at Pressure Down to a close now, Nige, um, yeah. I just wanted to ask you, what do you think of about Pressure Down's use from Whispering Jack as the album's second single? Do you think it was the right choice? Me personally, I do. David mentioned about we built this city having an earworm, you know, yeah. and I think Pressure Down has an earworm element to it. I mean, I'm biased. I love the album Whispering Jack. So for me, I'm not needing to be convinced of that. But I think for somebody else, like I said, I was around someone's house the other day listening to it. And the fact that Pressure Down actually reconnected them, it demonstrated to me that there is something about this song. You don't have to hear it very often, but it is appealing. So I think it was actually a very smart move for them to have this as the second song. John did make mention in an interview with Ray Martin back in that day, the decision in America was to hold back You're the Voice 
and actually release Pressure Down as the first single. They just couldn't pigeonhole us on. They didn't know whether it was AOR or CHR or RRRRR or, you know, they, they just couldn't put it in a pigeonhole. So we've pulled You're the Voice and we're putting Pressure Down out as the next single. And they, they think that, or the record companies seem to think that that can work and we'll possibly release You're the Voice later on. And one of the comments that I just want to add in here, Pressure Down has the distinction for me of being the track that really engaged me to want to listen to the album Whispering Jack. You're the Voice was out. When it really kicked off, it really kicked off. But Pressure Down was just the next part of that album and it's what really drew me into I want to listen to that album. I actually want to listen to more. This song makes me want to definitely sit down and pay attention. And and that is one of the other things that disconnects me to when I hear this song, Pressure Down. Yeah, being as it's the uh, album opener as well, Nige. Um, yeah. The fact that I was six when the Whispering Jack album came out as well, I really think that it was a big introduction to pop music for me. This was one of the first albums that I can remember actually you know, holding in my hand. And I, I think it was Mums. <laughs> Don't quote yeah. me on that. It was a very long time ago. <laughs> I think yeah. it was Mums. But like, I still have this LP to this day as well. And it's the one that yeah, I got yeah. John to sign. Yeah, I would say that it's one of the first albums that I fell in love with. And like, you know, love it as much to this day. It has not diminished at all. Unlike you, Nige, I actually think that it's one of my personal favorite tracks from the album. Absolute gun of a song. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm. so, so, um, yeah, Nigel, we've come to the end of this episode, and to say that we've got a big one coming up next is a complete and utter understatement. Yeah, I guess the last thing we should say is to remind all the listeners that we can obviously be found on all the major podcasting platforms and the socials as well now live, everybody. So, uh, make sure that you find us on Facebook, Twitter Instagram, and YouTube as well, and make sure you subscribe. We'd love to know what the fans think about the song Pressure Down and, and its legacy in Australian music as well. So anything that people want to send through to us, uh, you know, we'll happily like engage in conversation with you guys. And uh, that's what this is about, isn't it, Nigel? It's about creating a, a community around around what we're doing here. And um, hopefully we can get some really good discussions going. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, certainly, uh, we encourage people to, to create conversation and join in conversation. And we're going to wrap up today with a live version of Pressure Down. And this is from the 1987 show at the Melbourne Sports and Entertainment Centre as part of the first Whispering Jack tour. This is an absolute banger, guys. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much. And we'll speak to you next time. Okay, thanks. And uh, talk to you soon. See you later. See you around. He's the voice, guys.
Who's the hot to change?